From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. Thank you to everybody who has been emailing me. Thank you. A special thank you, actually, to those who tell me where in the world they are mailing me from. Uh, jump into the live chat. Are we ready to the, to do this, Murray? My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hope I'm saying this correctly. Jared Conan, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Hi, uh, welcome. Great to be here with you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, listen, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, you are part of a very interesting documentary. Yeah, we, um, we put together a film that um, we've called uh, River of Freedom that uh, we shot here in New Zealand during the uh, 2022 uh, parliament protest outside our government house you know, in response to the, um, you know, the COVID mandates that were being put in place in our country. It's weird though. It feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I was actually, you know, just sort of before the interview, just thinking, you know, just stepping back through time and sort of going over the dates and just sort of putting the pieces of the puzzle back together again in my mind when it all started and, you know, how we got to the to the point of the protest and sort of realizing, yeah, it just is so, so distant in our memories now, the, the beginning of it, and let alone, um, you know, the actual, you know, mandates and when they came into the country and how we sort of, you know, the opposition that we faced and, uh, you know, everything's changed now, you know, politically here in the country in New Zealand and also, um, you know, just across society as well, just how they uh, look back across, you know, what, what that COVID debacle was, you know, both here in New Zealand and the world. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the film. Um, I haven't watched it because uh, it, it goes according to screenings and I live on the African continent and we get everything lost. So you'll have to, you'll have to walk me through this one. <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll start just by saying that's the, um, you know, one of the main reasons I've sort of, you know, reached out to you really was just to say that uh, the film's about to come out online. So uh, we're, uh, we've put it, we've joined up in, uh, in partnership with a distributor in the UK, Journeyman Pictures. And uh, so before Christmas, we're hoping for that it'll be available online for everybody around the world to watch it. But um, so, yeah, River of Freedom was really a um, came about as kind of an organic process, you know, or organic birth, I should say. The, um, you know, here in New Zealand, the uh, the government put in the uh, the mandates, uh, you know, sort of yeah, making sure everybody had their um, their healthy jabs, keep them safe keep everybody, uh, yeah, keep the economy rolling through. But, um, you know, there was a, a lot of us here in the country who, who weren't, um, you know, going to you know, play that game. And uh, we really didn't want to follow the rules and sort of had an, wanted people to say, take another alternative look at what was going on here. So um, when the mandates came out, a lot of us were, were cut out from society here in New Zealand. It was pretty, uh, pretty brutal, pretty strict. Um, you know, it was a it was a period where it was called no job, no jab, no job. So um, basically, uh, they did a mandate by stealth. They rolled it out th- here in New Zealand through the um, health and safety uh, regulations. So they made it that um, people in the workplace weren't able to come into work anymore if they didn't have their vaccines. So um, a lot of people became unemployed and you know me being one of those people we um you know i could no longer do my job in the film industry as a producer so um we sort of uh yeah took a step back from everything and um you know i started asking some you know questions about what was going on in our um, country um and this sort of led a lot of us here in new zealand to you know, after a few months of frustration and um, not making any progress with government or any, you know, any place that we went to trying to seek help or to uh, seek change, uh, the idea came about, you know, which is really sort of inspired by the Canadian convoy that started up in North America there as well, that uh, New Zealand uh, started up its own convoy movement. And uh, at that time, I was living in Wellington and the uh the convoy started off in february and uh, at the beginning of february and and 
the idea was that they were starting at the top of the country and uh, starting at the bottom of the country and then meeting, the two convoys would meet in the middle at, at our government house in, in Wellington. Um, yeah, and that was where we were going to you know, gather. We'd been marching, you know, we'd marched many times in the past, sort of, you know, down to Parliament House and letting them know that we were unhappy with the situation. But uh, this one, uh, the convoy had a, you know, had a special, um, yeah, it, it had a special energy to it just because of what was going on around the world. So, um, yeah, we arrived in Wellington and, you know, on the first day of the convoy's arrival, you know, I personally wasn't expecting much apart from another protest. Everybody turns up and starts, you know, you would chant and would, you know, wave our banners and, you know, would tell the government what we thought of them and then would all go home again. But uh, the convoy turned up and uh, they literally just decided to swamp the streets around our um, around our government and uh, they just took over everything. It was um, kind of uh, crazy to see it, you know, as they sort of rolled in. It was a beautiful summer's day, and suddenly all these vehicles and trucks and, you know, people started turning up and blocking up all the streets, and uh, they said, no, we're here, we're staying. We're, um, you know, not until we, you know, get some response from the government. Um, we're just going to stick it out and see what happens. The um, And at that point, we sort of, sort of just, you know, everybody sort of... Um, chuckled and sort of went okay well this is going to go on a bit longer than we first expected but um what then sort of eventuated was people really um you know you know they they came together and you know started you know galvanizing and sort of communicating about why they were there and what was going on for them and uh the the movement sort of grew um you know very rapidly and uh, shut down sort of the center of the city in Wellington which is our capital and uh the yeah, you know, people just really uh, wanted to sort of connect because at that point we'd been sort of, you know, as I said earlier, we'd been cut off from society, a lot of isolation for a lot of these people, um, you know, and who really just uh, were frustrated with the government that they weren't listening to, you know, what the people were, you know, saying and uh, what they were asking for. So, um the you know, the, the the protest became a lot bigger, you know, very quickly. Uh, and at that point, we were just thinking, right, we'll just keep turning up each day and we'll just keep doing our thing and you know, we'll just keep protesting until one of the politicians comes out and speaks to us. And that's sort of generally how protest goes around the world. You know, you sort of get down on the um, on the forecourt and you um, you bang your drum and, um, you know, a politician usually appears and has a quick chat to you and says, well, um, thank you for bringing your uh, concerns to us. And we, as the representatives of the people, will take these concerns into the house, and we'll discuss it with our peers, and um, yeah, we'll see what we can do about it. But um, the politicians in New Zealand refused to come out, and they signed a, a cross-party um, agreement that not a single politician would come down and speak to anybody in the protest. Um, you know, and as you've heard, you know, the, the rhetoric around the world, you know, what happens is these. Uh, you know, everybody who comes out to protest and anything sort of uh, in a in an anti-COVID or you know anti-mandate policy, you know, is sort of uh, branded as a right-wing extremist. So um, that was uh, sort of how they painted us down there as well. Uh, but um, you know, I was there. You know, you know, it, my family was there with me. We were there to sort of you know have our have our say about what was happening. But. Uh, as we got there and we sort of, you know, found, you know, more of our friends and, you know, colleagues that sort of, you know, had gathered together, we found there was actually a, a group of uh, filmmakers that um, we hadn't really connected before, uh, but we met each other at Parliament Grounds and through one of the, uh, you know, one of my producing partners who's you know, who made the film River of Freedom with us, uh, he introduced us to a group of young uh, young filmmakers that uh, went under a banner called Monarchy Media, and they had a lot of access in the protest, and uh, they had sort of uh, documented other protest movements throughout the country. So we uh, we we sort of you know, were introduced, and uh, you know, the idea was sort of formed that we should really just start making this documentary. We should start capturing what was going on through the protest, and we should come together as filmmakers and make a film. Yeah, because that's what we do. We were all out of work. We <laughs> we had all our expertise, and uh, you know, and you know, we knew how to do this. Uh, and it was then we sort of heard about this uh, another sort of movement that was happening, where a director um, who's uh, her name is Gaylene Barnes, and she's directed our film River of Freedom. 
she had also started documenting the convoy from the bottom of the South Island and she had got a, a cinematographer to start at the top of the North Island and travel with the vehicles and they were arriving in Wellington as well. So we heard about that. And then when they all arrived, it was suddenly, you know, we had ourselves a, you know, a full-blown film crew ready to go. We had a sound recordist, we had a cinematographer, a director, we had editors working in the background, we were capturing everything. We had the, the Manaki media team out there just, you know, running out you know, onto the front line at every single moment they possibly could, you know, all hours of the day and night, just to capture the events as they unfolded from the perspective of the protesters. And it was our uh, vision at that time was to tell our story because we'd all been through the process of being misrepresented yeah. in media and we needed to, you know, just do something with all our energy and our frustration and think that this, you know, we knew that this was a really important moment. And as the protest grew and grew and grew, it became more and more obvious that what we were capturing was very unique and, um, you know, is sort of, you know, unheralded in regards to protest movements it's not so much because it was a the biggest protest movement in history but it was probably an opportunity where we had you know technologies moved on so much that there are so many cameras and so many opportunities to record all aspects of this protest and we were there uh, recording it and we became kind of known as the uh you know the documentary film crew for the protest so we had a lot of access you know we were um you know we were able to speak to a lot of uh, you know, people who were deeply involved in trying to you know, affect change through the protest movement. So, um, you know, it was a you know it was a real privilege to be there with the cameras and meet so many people and hear what they had to say. You know, when they'd spent so long, you know, being told to you know just basically shut up and um, you know this is this is uh these are the new rules everybody and um you know if you're not going to follow the rules then um you don't get to play anymore so it was a it was a very very interesting time and an interesting process for us but we came out of that uh, you know out of the protest with you know just thousands of hours of footage and then we started getting a lot of footage donated to us um and we started to formalize what we were doing and we started reaching out to you know, to our uh, to our yeah, our friends that we met at the protest, really, and we just started building momentum behind the idea that we had captured all the footage and we needed to make the film. We wanted to get it together, but we needed you know resourcing. We needed funding to do that, so we started crowdfunding amongst our um, you know amongst our community, and you know we did you know fantastically well. And one of the uh, the ideas that we really hung on to throughout the whole process was that. We wanted to make a film that would get into theatres. Yeah, we wanted to make a documentary that was, you know, theatrical quality uh, and not just an online documentary that we could share in our own, you know, for want of a better term, echo chamber, but something that we knew would reach out to audiences, to people and connect with them because those cinemas are you know, amazing for that. You can get a film into the cinema, you can make a real impact and we held on to that ideal and we worked towards it. It took us a lot longer than we expected or hoped for. You know, 18 months later, we finished the film uh, and we uh, self-distributed it here in New Zealand um, through theatres. And uh, we had a, you know, a fantastic almost nine-week run um, through the box office. We made it to number one in the New Zealand box office for one day, but, you know, we'll take that prize. And, um, you know, we, you know, we released the film just before the election here in New Zealand, and uh, a lot of people said it had a profound effect on the election, not so much on the results, but the way that people viewed what was happening because they hadn't seen the story that we showed them. They'd only heard from mainstream media about, you know, all the horrible people that were there. And they, you know, there was one uh, comment in the film, and it's you know, quite well known here as one of the politicians got up and called it the river of filth of what was happening out there and that was a, so that was we took that and we decided to call our film the river of freedom you know as a you know as a retort to that politician who you know who's you know uh has uh fallen from grace let's say that politician <laughs> but um, uh, yeah are you are you are you referring to um the former uh is the prime minister president uh Jacinda? Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> no it was one of her uh 
one of her minions, Michael. Um, right. Oh, Michael Wood. Michael Wood. One yeah. of her orcs. One of her yeah, orcs. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. He, she had a few of them in there. But um, no, the, the, yeah, we 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 pulled a lot of footage out from their um, from their addresses in Parliament, and um, yeah, we interspersed it with um, footage from the protest as well. And uh, I think what people uh, came away with from the documentary and the film was really just it was we we wanted it to be that we wanted to expose you know what what was really said and when you consolidated it down into it's quite a long film at two and a half hours but you really boiled it down into the essence of what they kept saying it was the the the, the all those propaganda moments and all the all the just the yeah the just the the rhetoric around how the the safe and effectiveness of the vaccine and uh you know it was all about being kind to each other and uh you know if you if you if you didn't follow us the single source of truth then you were a conspiracy theorist and we all we've all heard those words from our you know from our then prime minister Jacinda Ardern and it was um yeah we're just um, glad to see the back of her uh yeah early on yeah she left early um but um yeah the the election results of uh recent days here in the country have been uh quite encouraging for a lot of us who um have been um you know holding our breath waiting for that uh that that change and um yeah we've got that change now so we can only hope that they uh yeah they follow through on some of their promises and some of their um election campaigning that they did to get that change but um yeah we you know the film really uh it was it was very political the film and saying that uh, you know because it was it was all about the people trying to get the politicians to engage with them so you know we, we couldn't avoid that you know well we had a lot of subject uh matter around you know the vaccine and you know a lot of vaccine injuries and a lot of uh you know, uh, you know people had lost their jobs you know we're all sharing their stories but it was all um yeah the whole thing um, you know to me personally and a lot of other people felt the whole thing was uh very political in its um in its direction it wasn't about health and it wasn't about um you know the you know, the benefits for society at all it was um you know very you know political ideology behind a lot of it you know and as we've seen around the world jared uh another aspect of of your documentary and i know this only because you told me um in an email but music and it's not just your documentary music as a whole is very powerful so how did you use it powerfully in in the documentary well the the, the great thing about what happened at the protest was not only were we there protesting but we built this community there was a village that was built out the front of the parliament grounds and so you know the, everybody who was there wanted to say you know wanted to have their say so a stage was built as part of the village you know, a microphone was set up and a PA was set up. And, you know, music in the New Zealand community is a very big, you know, it's a, it's it's just part of who we are. And so people would get up and they would just play mu music all the time. There's a lot of musicians there, you know, um, sharing, you know, and connecting through, through that. But um, so we found a, a group of musicians who, you know, were core to the whole protest movement. And of course, we reached out to them because we had a lot of their uh, live performances. And um, we said, look, this is, you know, we're making the documentary. We'd love to have some of your music in the film as well. And of course, they all freely gave us their music. But, um, you know, one of the other things that, um, you know, was, you know, was amazing out of all of this, you know, and again, you know, Jeremy, why I came to you is because the time I heard you interview Right Said Fred, um, you know, uh, that just lit a, you know, a light went off above my head. I was just like, oh my goodness, I had no idea Right Said Fred was on the same team as us. This is fantastic. So I, um, you know, I, I just reached out to them, you know, online uh, via Instagram and dropped them a message and just said, you know, hey, look, guys, we're, you know, we're making this documentary, you know, I've heard your track, you know, and um, we'd love to be able to include it in the, uh, in the film if, you, if you'd let us. You know, and that track was um, We're All Criminals. And yeah. Um, yeah, it suited it suited our film, you know, so well. We got it right up the front, and um, yeah, they were you know enthusiastically supportive of what we were doing, um, you know. And this is what I found through the whole 
you know the debacle of what it is around the world is just that connection you know we all we've all found each other we've all found that there's a you know there's a commonality in our thinking that we don't want to be you know we, we don't want to be oppressed we don't want to be you know told how to live our lives by our government we want our governments to yeah, administer things and make sure our roads are working, but don't tell us how to live our lives. Uh, <laughs> but they love it, don't they? Yeah, it's just. It's, I'm, 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 I'm laughing because you said you said such a, such a a, a low bar, you know. Um, I mean, I often joke about this, but I come from Africa, and well, no government here does any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they um, yeah, they 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 like to do. Sorry, they like to Jared, keep our roads. Yeah. Sorry, did me. Sorry, sorry for jumping in. But just while you and I are talking right now, just to give you just to give an example, I have no electricity, right? I'm running on backup power because we're currently experiencing roading blackouts. Yeah, <laughs> in actual yeah, fact, I can yeah. hear I can hear the sound of my inverter behind me. It's not coming through the microphone. But just yeah. to give you an idea of how of how completely useless our own yeah. government is, which is also why. The COVID era was actually for us a great thing because they were so inept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, and and I've seen a lot of your um, you know, a lot of your stories coming out of South Africa there and talking about mm -hmm. it and going, yeah, that is kind of what made you know your you were able to avoid just the debacle of what it was. But I mean, you, as you say, you're already living through the chaos of, you know, lack of governance as well, which is, um, you know, a, a, another version of it. But um, no, they're, um, yeah, they really like to, um, you know, they, they like to keep us close here, you know, and, um, you know, sort of I, you know, prior to this, I'd never really sort of, you know, felt those effects of the government coming in and uh telling me what to do i'd sort of yeah i'd, I'd yeah, have to say you know so i was quite happy just ignoring them to be honest yeah up until that point in time i'd really sort of you know i'd go out and i'd vote for you know i know i was very much a left voter you know coming into you know coming into this <laughs> into this new world and um you know i voted for you know jacinda ardern and i you know i was very supportive of everything she was doing when what? The you voted yeah. for jacinda yeah. You, just, you voted for Jacinda. I'm yeah. sorry, we can't, we can't, we can't talk any further. Murray, end this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I am shocked myself uh, because it all suddenly flipped. I mean, I, I, I think the thing was, I just wasn't paying any attention, to be honest. Yeah, you know, to begin with, I, I was a, I did believe that there was a, a massive pandemic about to kill us all, and I was, um, yeah. I don't think I was concerned about it because as it was sort of rolling out, I could sort of go, I was just watching it and just going, this isn't as bad as they're talking about, in my opinion, from what I could see. And even, you know, I sat and spoke to my doctor about it at the time. And and I said to him, he was like, well, are you going to take it? And I said, no, I'm not. And he goes, well, I reckon you should. And I said, well, I reckon I should. And I said, look, if people start dying all around me, I might reconsider my decision, but it's just not happening. And literally it was just, you know, life just kept life our life was just carrying on and yes people were getting sick with covid but you know i think it might have even been on your telegram channel it was sort of like where yeah where did the flu go in 2020 and 2021 it disappeared yeah it all became covid you know it was uh so um you know it, it, it just didn't seem you know two and two weren't adding up to five like they were trying to tell us so um i started to sort of step back from it all at that point and then um, yeah, and then it all just flipped on its head very quickly once mm. they started rolling mandates out. And, yeah, they started telling, you know, it was all the health workers and it was the education workers. They all had to have the vaccine to keep their jobs. And that was when I flipped in my mind. I was just like, this is insane. Mm. People are being told literally what to put in their bodies or they're going to lose their jobs. And they were. People were refusing. You know, they are being fired. Jared. Yeah, sorry for for cutting you off there. Um, I don't want to lose this line of thought because what you're saying is really, really important. You know, for even for me, um, and in, in, you know what's actually amazing. Sorry, let me just segue again. Your what you're saying to me is the same story as everybody else in the world. I, I know that you're talking about how unique and you know uh, special the protest movement was um, on your side of the world. But if you think about it, it was actually the same. It was this weird kind of collective 
um, harmony that occurred right around the world. Did you notice? And and as you said, we people who otherwise wouldn't have become friends, for example, have now become friends. And this entirely new web of incredible, um, what's the word I'm looking for? People who are not left, right, ideologically aligned anymore. They're now focusing on a new type of enemy. It's now about uh, totalitarianism versus freedom. Have you noticed? Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I listen to a lot of the dialogue and the, and, and the, 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 the narrative around the left and the right of it all. And, and, I, I, and I identify and go and myself, and like you say, and a lot of people do say, well, I, I, there's things I agree with on both sides. So therefore, where is this whole left and this right come from? And I do think that it's just being set up just to keep us, you know, at odds with each other. And no, the, um, yeah, the, the, the totalitarianism of the, of the world is, uh, you know, governments and authoritarianism is just, um, you know, it just has become so much more evident, you know, of late, because as you say, it was the harmony in the people, but also the lockstep nature of these governments that was, you know, the, the messaging that was coming out around the world was just started to become all too aligned. And we were just sort of going, why, why are they all saying, I used to say my favorite saying before the, um, before COVID was, you know, they, how can these world governments all agree on anything? They can't organize a piss up in a pub let alone, mm. you know, galvanize mm. around a globalist ideology, but they were, they were doing, in my mind, they were just doing it behind closed doors. And and suddenly they, you know, they played their hand during COVID. And um, so we were all able to see it very clearly. A lot of people already were very much aware of what was going on, but a lot of, um, you know, people like myself just sitting at home, carrying on doing their jobs, um, weren't paying that much attention to it. And look, here in New Zealand, we're at the bottom of the world. You know, we're about as far removed from, you know, the the, the global center of, uh, you know, wherever you wherever you think the the, the seat of globalization is. But um, yeah, so we're the last affected a lot of the time. Um, yeah, we're, we we live a quaint little life down here, as you know, in our hobbit holes. But um, you know, we we enjoy the isolation as well, and then that served in our favour during COVID for a while, where we had no COVID because we were you know an island nation far removed. Nobody wanted to come here, and we kept it at bay, and we benefited from that. And so that sort of you know rose our uh, our red queen, we call her her star rose, you know, across the world because she kept COVID out of the country, but it was uh, inevitably not going to last, and everybody could see that. But um, yeah, the um, yeah, it was that as you say, this whole you know totalitarianism that was sort of you know becoming very very apparent for people around the world. It's and it sort of sparked a lot of things in me, you know, and myself, and starting to really sort of sit back and pay attention to the words that were being said and and the and the connections you know across the world. And and you know, thankfully, the internet is you know provides that for us now, where we can hear other people's stories and we can share in, in those stories and understand and, and learn more about you know how other people are experiencing it how other countries are dealing with it but um no the 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 coming togetherness was very very apparent and and again that was sort of you know again through your show and i you know it was where i first um heard robin Minotti speaking and uh you know robin again he um i reached out to him and he connected us with Eric Clapton to provide us some music for the film as well. And, um, you know, it's, you know, and we've become, you know, good friends over it, not myself and Eric, Robin and I, and, um, you know, we, we share a lot of stories around how, uh, you know, the, the world is, you know, unfortunately being tipped upside down by these people. But, um, you know, we, um, you know, we just, we keep soldiering on and, you know, we've got our, our job to do. And, you know, part of our job is, you know, as a, as filmmakers, as storytellers, is sharing, you know, sharing these stories and getting them out to the people. So, um, yeah, we've, we're sort of, you know, we've got a role in this as well. And um, so, you know, we're, we're really proud of what we've done with River of Freedom and, and just sort of being able to, you know, open up, you know, a, a page, you know, in the history books that people had really been asked to flip over very quickly and not look at it too closely. We've got them to, you know, turn a few pages back now, pause, and have a look at what what was really happening at the time. Because uh, the people who are at our protest here in New Zealand they, and and around the world, they're not the the right wing extremists that they claim that we all are. 
They're just everybody in the community who's opposing the government, but um, they will look for every single, you know, nasty name that they could possibly, you know, invoke in a in a in a lovely, you know, uh, community setting that where they don't want any nasty people around. So they find the nastiest, um, you know, slurs that they can throw around and um, you know try and pin them on us. And um, yeah, we we sort of talk about that quite a bit in the film as well, um, you know, because we you know our the demographic of the people at our protest were were very uh, not right wing extremists, put it that way. <laughs> so, but know, I mean, indigenous that, people. It just goes to show that political ideologies don't really mean anything anymore. Uh, you know, if you've got a common enemy, um, then your your left right dichotomy becomes redundant, um, and um, you know it's. I always like to use the, the the analogy of Lord of the Rings, and I know that 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 you've got a story to tell me about that. <laughs> but the the truth is, is that if you watch Lord of the Rings or you read the story, you had allies from all parts of Middle Earth who had completely different worldviews, and yet they came together when they had a common enemy. And this is something that I've learned uh, over the last few years. It's something that I'd never in my life experienced. The COVID era for me um, was actually very enlightening. Did, was it the same for you? Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. And um, you know, and I consider it the the COVID era, COVID era, a blessing to me personally because of what I have learnt, you know, and what I have engaged in, and the people that I've connected with. And um, you know, I I sort of yeah, you know, I I I don't. I don't really recognize myself from before because mm. I I was very as I said I just um you know I lived a shuttered life you know I was quite happy just I was a you know I considered myself a you know, a rat on the treadmill I was doing my thing I was just you know going to work every day and paying my taxes and just happily you know just doing my part in society and that was it and I didn't really see any more need from myself to go any deeper or any further but um you know I've really um yeah I I have sort of I've grown, you know, as a person, um, you know, and you know, well, along with my family as well, because of this situation, we've, we've, you know, we've become stronger, we've become more aware, yeah. and um, we've become more critical in our thinking, you know, about you know what gets to, what gets said to us and what what gets told to us by, you know, the leaders of our country, and um, you know, sort of, you know, one a, a book I picked up once that I was just in a bookshop once. And uh, I just thought that the the title caught my eye, and I thought, oh, I've got to read this. And it was called the Dictator's Handbook. And, yeah, uh, I know I, the it, book. It, yeah, and it's just I just it was just I just read the the back sleeve, and I went, okay, I'm gonna. This looks like a really good book. I'm gonna have a read of this and talk about you know mind blowingly, you know, uh, you know, just a tip, tipped everything upside down. And I I just love the the you know, the analogy of it's that uh, you know rules for the rulers to rule by. Yeah, and I was just like, mm. yeah. And the more and more you read about it, and they're comparing dictatorships and democracies, they're the same systems. They just go about exactly their, right. Um, go about yes. their, they just go about it differently, you know. In a dictatorship, a lot yeah. more people die. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people were saying to me over the last couple of years, yeah, but you know what? Uh, yeah, at least we are in a democracy, really. Really, the whole mm. world got locked down. What? Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's an Jared, illusion. <laughs> Yeah, before we go any further, I just quickly want to jump to a break. I'll carry on with the Lord of the Rings uh, after the break. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones. He pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone. No more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. 
We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. We can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Many pollution sources can affect the air you breathe. From power plants and vehicles to dust and wildfires. Knowing more about local air quality can help you protect your health. If you're thinking about buying an air sensor, EPA has a series of videos to help you get the most out of it. Learn how EPA collects and uses regulatory data, how EPA communicates health messaging, and how to interpret the readings from your sensor. Visit epa.gov slash air dash sensor dash toolbox. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I was just talking a moment ago uh, to you about uh, the how long a flight from Cape Town to Auckland is direct is like 15 <laughs> hours. So it's really, really middle earth. And then I made a reference to uh, Lord of the Rings earlier Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie of all time. And um, and I know it was filmed where you are. And that's that's one thing about New Zealand that makes me very jealous um, of you is that <laughs> is that you are right there where one of the greatest ever films was made. And you've got a little bit of a of a connection to it, haven't you? Yeah, well, it was um, one of my first films that I ever worked on, actually. I'd been in working in the film industry for all, oh, I think, about six years. Um, and then a friend of mine invited me to join her on the on the film, yeah, working for her in the locations department. And at first, I was uh, reluctant because I didn't really know what was going on. I was sort of like, "No, no, I'm I'm busy. I'm happy. I'm you know doing my TV commercial work." And she's like, "No, no, you must come and help us." So I eventually, uh, you know, said, "Look, I'll come and I'll I'll join you for six weeks, you know, and I'll give you a hand, and then we'll get going, and I'll leave you to it." But um, I, I turned up at the studios that um, Peter Jackson had, had taken over an old paint factory and was putting up his first soundstage there. And I walked in and was just like, wow, this is insane. I've never seen anything like this. And I said, look, I don't know how long this thing is going for, but sign me up for the whole show. This looks like a lot of fun. And it was. It was just a. It was just crazy times of, you know, we were really, you know, uh, you know on the cutting edge of, what was happening not only in physical filmmaking but also in digital filmmaking because he had set up with um, his partner um, Richard Taylor they'd set up uh, Weta Digital and um, so they were sort of really you know trying to you know cross over from not only just making you know great action sequences but making these you know massive it was literally called massive these massive battle scenes with all the orcs and all the you know the men of Middle Earth and you know, they were just, you know, it was insanity and nobody really could understand what was going on because Peter was actually directing, you know, at sometimes he was directing three different uh, film crews at once. You know, and it was back before we had, you know, the, the, you know the, the internet connections that we do now. We all had it on our satellites on the back of little trucks that we'd take around and we'd plug it in and try and send a signal across the country to another film crew that was down there and come back. It was well, it was all uh, quite bonkers you know, at the time. And we, you know, we filmed all three films over 18 months and, you know, traveled the you know, length and breadth of the country and mountains, lakes, you know, rivers, you know, all the, all the places of uh, Hobbiton that you could ever imagine. Um, you know, we were out there building them and, you know, finding them and, you know, just sort of, you know, creating them in the studios again. So it was a, it was a pretty amazing uh, journey to be part of. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, you know, what really, you know, gave me, you know, the, the credentials that I needed to carry on, you know, growing, you know, advancing my career. And I was lucky enough to then go on to work on The Hobbit again when that came around. So I worked on those three films with Peter again. And uh, and then, you know, it wasn't such a great time on the, uh, on the last outing where we joined the Amazon TV series, <laughs> The Rings of Power here in New Zealand. But there was a, there was a small group of us that had been through all of the, Middle Earth films and and shows up until that point, and I think there might have only been about uh, maybe about eleven of us, but um, mm. we called our, we we, we called ourselves the, the you know those on the seventh turn, but um, you know the show left our shores and has gone off to the you know off to the UK somewhere now. But um, what are yeah, you talking about? It? Rings of Power. Yeah, the Rings of Power. 
Yeah. But Rings of Power is crap. It's yeah. rubbish. I, it's, I, I started watching a, it and then I, yeah. yeah. No, it's woke. It's woke nonsense. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like it was. I couldn't get past episode three, unfortunately. So mm. um, yeah, they're off doing something else, and it's just like it's it's not Middle Earth. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's um, yeah, it's Amazon doing their thing. No, we um, you know, it was. Yeah, you know, you, I still go back and watch the films again with the kids, and they're just they're just fantastic. And I can sit there and watch the mm. director's cut on them and go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, five hours later, oh, show me again. But the thing I like though, Jared, about Lord of the Rings um, is there are so many messages that apply to us today. Um, I I just love I love the 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 silver linings that you get from you know the storytelling. I I love looking for for solutions and i love looking for that sort of white pull thinking yeah. in which you 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 become a winner you know mm, there's mm. a lot so there is a lot of darkness and the whole lord of the rings story is about the darkness and the evil and 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 how frodo for example how he um he would never have made it were it not for samwise for example you know uh, yeah frodo was frodo became quite black pulled and yeah. uh, samwise was the one who was the one who was he was actually the, the strength yeah. but also with the allies and then you realize that you can you can see the world politically different to to to, to so many people and yet you can still find commonality and that is where the power is i mean i've had some of the greatest conversations on my show with communists i would never have said that to you five years ago yeah, yeah and yeah, now yeah. i'm finding so much common ground with people who are who i otherwise wouldn't find common ground with yeah and i think that's what's um and again, just harking back to the COVID era of it all is what's been yeah. so um, fascinating is that, you know, your show does it really well, where you, you don't restrict yourself to one type of um, guest, you, you, mm. you, you throw it out there, and we see a huge amount of information come in. And that, yeah, you know, I don't agree with everybody that comes on your show. And I don't agree with everything that you say. And I, and I have my own views and that but there's an opportunity for us to all just like dive in together into the soup yeah. and to go, right, we're, we're all in this together. So what are we going to learn from it? What are we going to take away from it? What, what, what can I do to better myself and my community and my, my society, you know, around me, you know, from all of these learnings and you go, mm -hmm. that's what you hope. That's what you hope for everybody. And that's one of the messages that we wanted to get out in river of freedom as well as, while the protest at the end of the day, you know, was we were cleared out by the by the riot police and it was brutal and there was a lot of violence and there was a lot of um, aggression from both sides. We wanted to end the film on going, but there is hope. You know, we yes. are re we are building ourselves towards something beyond just this protest. You know, we need to have a better vision. We need to have a goal, and we all need to be working towards that. And we tried to make sure that message was through our documentary as well. And like you say, you know, when you get great films and get great stories like Lord of the Rings doing that as well, it's just, that's what just, you know, makes your heart swell. And that's what, that's what people get joy out of as well, because there's so much nihilism around us already. Um, yeah. And nihilism and consumerism, they're just like these, you know, these spirals of darkness. And it's sort of almost like it, at times it feels like, they just want us to get darker and darker and darker so they can push more things onto us. Whereas they struggle to capture the free spirits. And yeah. I, I always believed that the, you know, that it was um, part of what was going on, you know, was an attack on our spirituality as the people because they can't control that. They, they have no, they have no authority over it. And it's spirituality beyond religion you know, it's it's more about the individual spirituality and how that is all connected to you know a greater uh, you know a, a, a you know a greater source you know around the world and we're all part of that. Um, so, yeah, that's um, you know it's sort of getting into the you know sort of the bigger the, the, those bigger things in, in life and what we're all you know what we all want to get but out I mean, of it or what we're here for. Yeah, Jared, I mean, look, okay, so I see time is st slowly starting to run against us. Um, but I mean, look, a stream becomes a river. And what does a river become? Perhaps a lake or a dam or, or something bigger. Do you see that happening? Oh, yeah, yeah, very much, very much so. I mean, we here in New Zealand, it's, you know, we stay connected. 
you know, we we are very, um, you know, we're, we're becoming a, a, a bigger, you know, part of the community, a, part, a bigger part of the country, you know, continually it grows, it grows. More people join, not so much, I don't want to use the term movement, but join in an ideology is wrong as well, but just uh, maybe join the awareness about what, what is happening and being able to share in your stories without it being ridiculed or, um, or what's a bit another term for it, or being, uh, we get ostracized of speaking your mind. And I think that's kind of, you know, one of the bigger things that's come out of this, you know, through the whole COVID period is realizing the censorship that was being applied to us that we didn't even realize was happening and was around everywhere. And, and like you speak to it, sort of people realizing that the, the, the woke agendas had been overlaid everything without sort of you know, without any sort of uh, consent. And suddenly you, you, you couldn't have an opinion that differed because you were moving away from the herd. So, you, you know, they would cut you off. So, we're getting more awareness around that, I think. Um, yeah, and yeah, people are feeling more emboldened to speak their minds again, which is um, yeah, which is encouraging. And and we love diversity of conversation. We love to hear differing opinions. You know, and you know the the, the challenges where great things come from. You know, when there's a, when there's a challenge of ideas, when there's a yeah, an alternative view is put forward, then you get an opportunity to just sort of you know sound it out with each other you don't have to agree but it's always you know we're just you know, I, I just love it how often you keep throwing out you know your flat earth you know throwaway comments and going <laughs> and um yeah <laughs> and, and my, my, my son loves it too <laughs> and you just did it there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like we did, it's just like fantastic bring it on you know it's like we talk about it all the time just for a laugh and you go, this is, this is what life should be. We should all be able to exactly. look but at everything and, and talk about it and just yes. and go, why not? Yes. Yeah. Are you sure they went to the moon? And me and my son. Yes, many, but that's the point, Jared. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the point. Yeah. You have to, yeah. you have to be able to entertain all ideas. It doesn't mean you agree with all ideas. It doesn't mean that you um, are some sort of shill or you, you know, it does mean you, that you're a bad person. It just means that you are secure in yourself to be able to have a conversation about anything. And when it comes to something like River of Freedom, uh, the, the point there also is that the COVID era has shown that many of us are now able to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we love doing it. And I think that's kind of the part of me that's grown in all of this is we love having those conversations and we love putting them on the table now for people to say, well, what do you think? You know, well, yeah, just like, is, are you sure about that? You know, or have you mm. thought about this or what? And not even in relating to COVID, but just expressing yourself beyond your our, our daily lives of going to work, paying our taxes, coming home, feeding the kids, rinse and repeat, do it again. Life is so much richer than that. You know, yes, there's so there's much, there's so much to get out of it. And we've become, yeah, everybody's withdrawn into their little bubbles of going about their daily lives. And I, it's yeah. just like, we need to do more. I'm jumping in now because I see that time is running against us. So I, I quickly want to give you an opportunity to, to promote uh, your film. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's why I came here, really, aside to, from to have a great conversation. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, um, yeah, so as I said, you know, River of Freedom will be available online later this year. But um, I think the best way for people to connect with us at the moment and, um, you know, to find out what the film is about is to subscribe to us on our website. So you'll find us at uh, www.riveroffreedom.nz. Then that's where you'll find our teasers, our trailers. You'll find out who we are as filmmakers. There's a whole bunch of photographs there, and, and um, you know we're getting another little mini documentary together that we're going to put out through Journeyman TV uh, in conjunction with the film. So um, you know you, you keep an eye out for us. But the film will be available to rent, you know, on all the sort of usual platforms. So we're aiming to go out, you know, across you know, the Googles and the Apples and. Yeah, we'll do it through journeymen themselves as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we've we had a great run in New Zealand at the box office, and uh, yeah, we look really looking forward to sharing that film with the world now. And um, a lot of people are asking for it, so um, yeah, 
you know, come and come and subscribe and we'll keep you up to date with um exact release uh, date information so um thanks i will definitely watch it and then once i've watched it i'll invite you back and we can we can do a, a follow-up conversation yeah that'll be great we've even put subtitles so people can understand our funny accent <laughs> <laughs> okay just quickly on that i have to ask you before we go are you how do i refer to you are you a new zealander or a kiwi uh i'm a new zealander and a kiwi yeah <laughs> I'm not, so there you go I'm, I'm but, not going to uh, ask Murray because because he's an Aussie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Aussies Aussies don't like you guys. <laughs> yeah. I know. Look, it's the whole it's the holy trinity here, isn't it? We've got a, 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 yeah a kiwi, a, a zapper, and an Listen, Aussie, and an knocker walk into a bar. I'm just an outsider. I'm just an outsider. I'm just throwing some some fuel onto the fire. <laughs> yeah. no, that's Listen, great. Well, thanks Connor. for having me here. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. And uh, thank you, uh, Murray, uh, for, for, for keeping things going. Listen, I must apologize for the little glitch at the start of the show. I'm not quite sure what happened, but I'm so glad that it got sorted out quite quickly. Send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Um, as always, let me know what you thought of the show. Give me some feedback. Give me some questions, uh, because sometimes I get the guests back. Um, and I'm definitely going to invite Jared back after I've watched um, the documentary. And we're going to chat some more about about the COVID era. I'm going to refer to it as a CE. Uh, we are now living. We are about to enter the year four CE. Uh, how does that work? Four COVID era. <laughs> hey, hey, Murray, what do you think? Four CE. We're we're about to go into. <laughs> um, gee, what a big event this COVID story was. It really, really shook the world in every respect, and it just it just brought so many people together. And I know it also caused a lot of a lot of havoc. Uh, but anyway, that's for a different day. As I said, Germ Warfare at TNTRadio.live. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Mm -hmm.